The views and opinions expressed by various contributors to 98.5 CKWR and its radio programs are their own and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of 98.5 CKWR Wired World, Inc., its broadcasters, staff, or volunteers. Listeners are urged to use their own discernment and draw their own conclusions. Good morning, my name is Rob Daniels and welcome to Visions and Sound. Now for those that may be joining me for the very first time, Visions and Sound is a movie, TV, and video game soundtrack program that I produce each and every week right here on 98.5 CKWR. Well, here we are, show number 37 of 2020 and show number 1142, if you're keeping track of that way. This week, we continue into September with a look at the 40th anniversary of E.T. So now joining me this week is Eric Woods, an often contributor to the show uh, of Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Eric, welcome to the show. Good morning, Rob. Thank you very much for having me on. Hey, not a problem. So now E.T., the extraterrestrial, or just simply E.T., is a 1982 film directed by Steven Spielberg It tells the story of Elliot, who befriends an extraterrestrial whom... He names, names, of course, E.T., who is left behind on Earth. Along with his friends and family, Elliot must find a way to help E.T. find his way home. The film stars Dee Wallace, Henry Thomas, Peter Coyote, Robert McNaughton, and Drew Barrymore, and I believe what was her first, one, one of her very earliest roles. Very yes. first roles, almost, I would yes, say. Yes, I think it was her first. Okay. Now, the film was based on an imaginary friend that uh, Spielberg created after his parents' divorce. In 1980, Spielberg met writer Matheson and developed a new story from un- the unrealized project called Night Skies. In less than two months, Matheson wrote the first draft of the script simply called E.T. and Me. Hmm. And went through to, and went through two rewrites. The project was rejected by Columbia Pictures, who doubted its commercial potential, but Universal eventually purchased the script for $1 million. Filming took place from September to December 1981 on a budget, wow, it strikes me, $10.5 million. 
that'll barely get you the catering budget these days. <laughs> Unlike most films, E.T. was shot in rough chronological order to facilitate convincing emotional performances from the young cast. Now, the animatronics for the film were designed by Carlo Rambaldi. Now, I first saw E.T. back in the theaters in 1982. I remember only a very few scenes. I did not dislike the film. It would not re-enter my radar until 1988 when it was released on VHS. I then experienced the film again through my eight-year-old niece. Now, I thought it was okay, and again, I didn't watch it again until, well, just recently on streaming. Now, I consider it a favorite film. Eric, your experiences with E.T. Yeah, back then I had no idea it existed until that uh, famous VHS release, which <laughs> I, I think you're, it was like in 1988, so it's yeah. five, six years after it was released. But we never got the VHS, and I never did see it on VHS. So the first time I saw it was on cable TV, like the ABC Sunday night <laughs> movie of the week. And uh, I instantly fell in love with it. I just remember having like one of the loudest gut belly laughs in, in my entire life during the E.T. is drunk sequence. <laughs> um, and I watched that again recently and it's just brilliantly put together. And so, yeah, I saw it and I'm like, wow, this is this is truly something special. And so, yeah, when it came out on... Uh, well, I got the video again, and then came out on DVD, and then I went to see it in the theater for the first time during its 20th anniversary release, where they did all the CGI enhancements, and mm -hmm. instead of shotguns, it was walkie-talkies, walkie yeah. um, which was terrible. <laughs> um, but the last time um, I saw it uh, was with my family and my two young children, and we saw it uh, live uh, in concert. Man, you are so, so lucky. <laughs> we got, went to Toronto. The funny thing is, I, I missed uh, my son's um, hockey tournament, and that night they won the championship. Oh. <laughs> and instead, he had to watch ET with his dad. Um, but it was a it was a fantastic experience, and I was wondering how that orchestra was going to get through that fifteen minute finale, and they did it flawlessly. Mm -hmm. I shed a tear, and uh, it was a magical, magical experience. And so every time every time I, I see it, it's just a it's a it's a wonder that it one got made. It was made so brilliantly, and it was such a huge hit because looking at some of it, just kind of if it was a dry cut, and you're just seeing segments of this film, you would think it would be the dumbest movie on <laughs> uh, on the planet. Um, how they pulled it off and made it convincing. It's the actors, it's the brilliant animatronics, and of course, it's uh, the heart and soul of the film, and that's John Williams. Yeah, I would I would agree on that one. Um, and I, um, uh, again, watching it, uh, watching it recently, I was amazed as to how good the sound design is in it. Oh yeah. Like it's, yes. I mean, it's one thing to talk about the score, which we, of course, you know, what kind of show would this be if we didn't talk about the score? <laughs> but you know, one thing I have to admit, the sound design was pretty cool. Uh, in, in you know, even identifying one of the characters, uh, with the little the little tinkle of the keys or whatever it was, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, keys, and that was that's what's uh, Peter Coyote's uh, yep. character, and of course the, that was the brilliance of that move in the film is that all the adults you only see them from the waist down with the exception of the mother, yes, and the you only see other adults' faces once 
all the kids see the other adults' faces when they invade the house. And I thought, again, that's a that was a brilliant move on Spielberg's uh, part. What I f- thought was really interesting, you're thinking about sound design, is they had to breathe life into that E.T. puppet. Yes. And again, watching a few clips here and there, especially during the E.T.'s drunk sequence, all the little grunts and breaths and sounds it made, it made that creature come to life and yeah. you believed what you were seeing on screen was real. And of course it was. And that's a, that's a great part about it. Again, having seen the, the crummy CGI enhancements, <laughs> you realize just how fake that is compared to, well, this, this doll, this kind of dummy with a person inside it walking around, but it's still, it's, it's, it's not flesh and blood, but it's actually there. It's filmed in camera. Yeah. The kids can interact with it. And the CGI just seems all cartoony and ET's blinking all in weird ways and his facial movements aren't right. So it just, it's an interesting contrast to show you that CGI de- most definitely is not the way to go sometimes for these <laughs> older films because it just, they just clash. But yeah, the sound design is incredible. And you're talking about sound. I mean, the sound of this score is absolutely breathtaking as well. Yep. It was recorded by Lyle Burbage and Bruce Botnick, who uh, were recording Jerry Goldsmith's uh, Poltergeist at the same time. And okay. Spielberg wanted to use that exact same team uh, for E.T. And this is one of the best John Williams recordings of all time. I would, I would, I would agree with that. Now, um, speaking of William's score, Williams, who of course composed the, the, the score described the challenge of creating one of the mo- one that would generate symphony, sympathy, yeah, sympathy for such an odd looking creature as, as with previous collaborations, Spielberg liked every theme Williams composed and had it included. Spielberg loved the music for the final chase so much that he edited the sequence to suit it. We were we were discussing just beforehand the the editor on this one and uh, and editing to the editing to music and that sort of thing. Williams took a modernist re- approach, especially with his use of polytonality, which refers to the sound of two different keys played simultaneously. The Lydian mode can also be used in a polytonal way. Williams combined polytonal and the Lydian mode to express a mystic dreamlike and heroic quality his theme emphasizing coloristic instruments such as harp piano celesta uh, and other keyboards as well as percussion suggests et's childlike nature and his machine uh the music has been released in many forms over the years uh but today's show will be featuring the recent this was the 35th anniversary release yeah of, yeah, it came out five on, years ago. On La La Land Records. So this is going to be really cool. Um, so yeah, why don't we just uh, have a listen to the to the music as we're celebrating, in this case, the 40th anniversary of E.T. We'll be back, right back.
with just a little bit of music from the 1982 film E.T. That's music by John Williams, if you didn't know already. If you're interested in any of the film, television, or video game music that I do play here on the show, by all means, you can contact me at, of course, visionsinsound at gmail.com. You can also try me online at facebook.com slash visionsinsound. I am on the Twitter at visionsound. You can also find me on my website, visionsinsound.ca. You can also try me on different podcasts, including the likes of Good Pods and Apple Music. So welcome back to Visions and Sound, as this week we are celebrating the 40th anniversary of E.T. And joining me, of course, this this week as well is my co-host, Eric Woods. Eric, welcome to the show this week. It's always great to have you here. It's it's great to be here and uh, listening to a great John Williams score. I'm... (laughs) This is exciting. Yeah, this no, for me this is is um, kind of one of the reasons why I do this this show, is that you get to hear this this fantastic music, done by, well he's ninety years old now, <laughs> and um, um, it's it's he'll no doubt go down as one of the greatest composers, film composers of all time, um, and it's just it there's there's. There's just all all of that, and it you know it comes through in this uh, in this this score to ET. In any case, 
Um, yeah, we, we had been kind of discussing the film off air and uh, a little bit about the, uh, the drunk scene, um, <laughs> that, that we actually just played a little bit of music from, uh, E.T. and Elliot get drunk. And then of course there's the frog scene and it's, it's funny to, to watch it now and to see, you know, Henry Thomas, um, I believe that was one of his, it was, it was Drew Barrymore and wasn't it Henry Thomas that had the, the, his first role in this as well. I believe that might yeah, be. Yeah, this the, is their breakout movie for sure. I'm not sure what else they were in. Um, mm-hmm. I think they yeah, were like commercials. Were, yeah. Commercials. They were noticed for sure. Exactly. And you know what? I, I honestly, I honestly say this, um, that Spielberg is an actor's director. And he is able to bring out performances in kids and actors that no other director seems to be able to do. Um, I mean, being able to, to draw that emotional performance from Henry Thomas, from Drew Barrymore. And I mean, these were, these were kids like eight and eight and five or what, however, however old Drew Barrymore was in the film. And it's, it's amazing to watch. And, uh, um, and as you said, um, I, and I hadn't really thought of this before because I'd like, I'd seen the film again recently shot from a child's perspective. And you're right. You don't see the adults until like the kids see the adults except the mother. And so it's, it's really, it's actually really kind of cool the way Spielberg did that in, in this case. Um, there's so many great moments in this film. Um, I personally, um, really like the very first time that Elliot finds E.T. in the garage and he throws the ball in and then Hmm. E.T. throws the ball out. And I think that's just, and then he, you know, he runs and steps on the pizza and then, oh, there's something out there kind of thing. And it's just, it, it's it's almost shot like a horror movie and then, and, but, but at the same time, it's this lighthearted, um, Spielbergian, uh, film. Um, Eric, do you have a a favorite moment in the film? Um, I mean, it's always, pardon me. It's always, it's always thrilling to see bike chase and maybe I'll leave it. Maybe we'll talk about it when we get to that point in the music because right. it's it's quite remarkable what John Williams does with but the score really does um come alive in in two sections mm-hmm. one is and you've played it um just earlier it's a it's a track called toys yes and it's actually an unreleased cue um or an unused cue it was dropped from the movie which then john williams turned into the um the stargazers uh concert suite it's right. a wonderful piece for uh, piano and orchestra um but there is some delicate harp and piano music there just for that that relationship between elliot and et and as mm-hmm. they were bonding and i mean i'm getting goosebumps just thinking about <laughs> that just you know d- these two strangers becoming friends mm-hmm. and I've experienced friendships like that. And one of my earliest uh, friendships was, was exactly that way. 
Um, you know, I was the new kid in the school. And oh, I was, I was gonna say, I did you, I was, you know, <laughs> I was gonna say, did you befriend, befriend an alien? Is this a story no, you have? No, but it was like I was the new kid in school, right. and then you know, I, I I became friends with everybody else, and all of a sudden, the stranger, the, the other, the, the new kid comes, the other new kid comes in, and I'm like, oh man, this kid's getting all the attention now, right? But he and I eventually became really really good friends and then when you know he was taken away from me when he moved it just it was absolutely devastating yeah i hate to <laughs> hate to compare a friendship to e. elliot and et but that's kind of what it was like well, so, yeah I mean, you could see you can see that friendship developing but that's all um un- underneath it is john williams is just touching delicate score and I love that scene with the Reese's pieces and <laughs> and that and then and as they are um, starting to mimic their emotions are are coming together right they start yep. yawning at the same time they get sleepy at the same time, I love how that um, connection is made, and then of course there's the first flying scene um, across the moon and you really get to hear that um, that that triumphant statement of the the E T main theme for the mm-hmm. very first time and then you know Elliot's flying and he just you know yells at the top of his lungs like any kid would do if the bike starts you know flying and it's <laughs> it's a wonderful sequence and that um that, that that comes just before the the wonderful um uh halloween sequence where right. you know uh, et gets to see yoda and we hear the quote <laughs> of yoda's theme which again is absolutely brilliant on um on john williams's part so yeah the i, I love the the smaller moments those yeah. those friendship moments you know where where they're really becoming close but i also love this that that childhood innocence wander moments and that really comes alive during mm-hmm. the the whole sequence of flying across the moon right no it's fantastic now um jason drury who often um comes on the show unfortunately could not uh, join us tonight however he did send a small um kind of his recollections so we're gonna have a listen to that now and we'll be back and we'll talk more about et so here's jason Drury. et the extraterrestrial released in 1982 i remember seeing it first i hate to say on pirate video really bad pirate video i remember it being black and white and at the end of it my dad saying oh don't think much of that but it's adapting ways of the lost ark so it wasn't the greatest of reviewers I fell in love with the film a lot later in, I think, 1983-84 when it first on television. I really had a proper look at the film and absolutely was awed by so many things about it. The, the cinematography, the the interesting camera position, where it's, which is in the, the children's point of view, and, of course, John Williams' score. But a lot of film scores that you can say are perfection, like Ben-Hur, Empire Strikes Back. This is one of them, and John Williams seemed to have a knack of producing perfection scores. Star Wars, Jaws, Superman. This is up there with one of the greatest film scores ever composed and should be on everybody's top ten list, even with the other John Williams scores added to it. The subtlety of how the main theme is worked on to the point where you get to the flying scenes where you hear it for the first time is absolutely amazing. And only a master craftsman like John Williams could do that sort of thing. A real genius in that respect. It's not really, I don't remember... It was one of the first times I've actually seen that sort of approach done by a composer. Keeping the main theme and moving it and getting it gradually little, little segments and suddenly getting it burst into life, right? probably nearly like halfway through the film. Absolutely inspired. 
And, and of course, talking about the score, we've got to not forget the last 20 minutes, which every time I see it, particularly the final sequence, brings me to tears. That's probably why I haven't seen it for a number of years, because I don't want to cry. It's such an emotional moment. It is musical perfection. Even the chase sequence is very, it's very rare that a director edits his film to the music. Williams struggled to get the points right, so Spielberg said to him, don't worry, I'll edit your music to the film. And the result is just perfection. I think I've said perfection so many times, but it is true. It is one, it is one of the greatest scores. It's one of the greatest films of all time. I remember watching the I think on one of the DVDs there is a version that they showed a film where Williams conducted it to picture and you could hear people applauding for for out. I would love to see the picture. I think Eric has done so and if and if he has I am very jealous of that because I would love to do that myself. I think that's all I can say about it. E.T. Well I think it's really in the end just one word to describe E.T. E. the film and the score and perfection. But I'm sure you guys can expand on that. Good luck. Ah, Jason. Always nice to have him on the show as well. And I, I would agree with him. Perfection. Mm-hmm. In 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 the in Williams' approach. And just from the filmmaking standpoint as well. It's just one of those films that just um hits all the right notes, if you'll excuse the if you'll excuse the expression. So yeah, it's it's it for me it's one of those films that uh uh and it's odd but it's only been recently within the like the last year year and a half that I've actually seen it again to be able to kind of say to myself well you know hey I remember this film slightly differently from when I was a kid and now I'm watching it now with the you know the 50 50 year old plus uh sensibility and okay now I have to ask this because I don't have kids but you do Eric and how does has has the film did the film change for you um watching it with your kids as opposed to maybe watching it just by yourself it's a it was such a unique experience because i first saw it with my children live um you know in concert so <laughs> yes, what both, i like both to do- jason and i are very jealous <laughs> you can do well, what that. i lo- what i like to do when i'm watching these movies that i love so much and and trying to see it through my kids eyes and i'm sure most parents do that who are movie lovers with children is i will peek over and and take a look and see how they are reacting um i i'm interested in showing my daughter mostly uh, et again my son's really not a movie guy Mm -hmm. um and so i want to see her reaction to it and and i think she's at that age she's 13 where she might appreciate it more and again she's a super huge fan of stranger things so again it's that hero kids thing and i think she'll appreciate the the otherworldly nature of it, the sci-fi nature of it, but also the human nature of it. And so uh, that's what gives me the greatest thrill about having kids is watching my favorite movies through their, through those eyes and seeing if their reactions are the same or, or, or different. But mm-hmm. I do remember asking them whether they liked it and, and they, they really enjoyed the film because that was the first time they ever saw it. Right. And so, I mean, what a great experience and hopefully remember it for the rest of their lives. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's always a thrill to, to show them films and watching their reaction. It's it's, it makes watching my favorite movies that much more enjoyable. (laughs) (laughs) It's fantastic. No, I, uh, again, and I mentioned this before, I actually did watch it through 
through my uh, my eight year old niece at the time. And uh, yeah, it, it's uh, now that I think about it. Uh, I mean, I was what eighteen at the time, mm. so I was like, eh, well, you know, I was into other things, not watching ET, but. My, you know, you, you sit and watch it with with the kids, and you 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 get enjoyment out of it, and and, and it's something that, um, watching it in the theater when I was when I was twelve, in with my niece when I was eighteen, and now watching it much much later on, it, as you as you said, Eric, it's timeless. It yeah, seems it to be able to carry itself through, um, and I mean, kids are kids regardless of how or what era it is generally and that's what i think spielberg captures in this in this film so it's it's it's, it's really cool and, and i i i applaud him for being able to do that now um i'm curious if lucas had any any um any influence in this because a lot of his um, I mean the um, uh, the Star Wars figures show up, and <laughs> yeah. and also um, the brother mimics the voice of Yoda at one point, and and we did mention the whole Halloween scene off air. Did we yes. mention it off air or on air? Because I know we mentioned it's something it here, yeah. that I hadn't caught until you mentioned it. <laughs> was the, the 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 subtle playing of Yoda's theme? Yeah. Yeah. In the uh, in that scene. Now, yeah. for those that are that that you know, if spoilers for a forty year old film, but there is a scene in in a uh, during Halloween where uh, E. T. is dressed up as a ghost. It's supposed to be Gertie, but uh, she goes off doing something else. I can't remember what. And uh, so E. T. is walking, and you, I love the perspective shot with the. Uh, yeah. Through through the the eyes of the, of the ghost, and then he sees he sees uh, Yoda. He sees a, a, a kid dressed up as Yoda, and he's going home, home. <laughs> and it's so it's so funny. But and like I said, until you mentioned it, I hadn't caught that they were playing Yoda's theme during that scene. Yeah, and that's really cool. I think that's I think that's really cool. And that again. Um, Again, it, it makes me ask the question, what well, I wonder if if Spielberg was just kind of paying homage to some of, of Lucas's work or if Lucas said, hey, can you? Um, you know. I, I, I honestly think it's just the first think of you, your, you as a kid in the early 80s. And if you're that old, what do you have in your room? You have all of these. And if you're that type of kid who's who's loved Star Wars and yeah. and Jaws and those movies that all came out. And I mean, I didn't have the Star Wars toys. Um, not that I didn't like Star Wars, but I mean, <laughs> I came to those films much later in my, my life. Right. But um, I had G.I. Joe's and that was later on. Right. But I mean, kids those days, they had the characters and they, they had the posters on the wall and... and so it's, and I think it's just a, 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 a cute way of of Elliot showing around his, his you know his earthly belongings and and trying to explain what you know a hammerhead is and this is a shark <laughs> and the shark eats this and da da da. It's so innocent. It's so lovely. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure. I mean, they were essentially having the script written during the the, the production of Raiders of the Lost Ark. So I'm sure there was some 
some input in there from I'm, George Lucas, I'm, probably. I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure as well. Why not? I mean, they're buddies. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I, I, I keep thinking, well, uh, the thing is, I, the thing I don't quite understand is how some of uh, of, of uh, Spielberg's directorial actors, uh, actors director didn't rub off on Lucas, especially when he was working with uh, with, with Jake Lloyd in, uh, in the... Uh, in the Phantom Menace, but that's a, another discussion for a, for a, <laughs> Lucas, com- here's the thing. Lucas, I think is more of like that tech guy, um, yeah. loves filming stuff. stuff, you know, he would be a great documentary filmmaker. And yeah. I think that's what he wanted to eventually be. Um, and he's a good storyteller. Yeah. Um, he comes up with great stories. The thing about Spielberg, Spielberg is so good with kids and, and again, he's good with actors, but he's so good with kids mm-hmm. understands kids why because he's still a kid yeah and at that time he he understood that like you said you gotta shoot this movie in chronological order the only way you're gonna get those genuine reactions to saying goodbye to et is that they have to say goodbye to et in that moment knowing that this is the last time they are ever going to see him in real life and in the film and you it's it's genius it's absolute genius i mean you think Oh, that's the obvious thing to do, but that's Spielberg understanding children, and he understood how to get the proper emotions out of them. Sometimes he would trick them. Sometimes he would do that. I mean, seeing the making of when um, uh, E.T. is dying, and Drew Barrymore is in hysterics, and as they call cut, I mean, Spielberg couldn't stop her from crying because she was just so involved. They thought the alien was so real. And I'm thinking that that moment, that's when they knew they had a hit. Right. I would I would agree on that. All right. Well, let's continue on with a bit more of the music from E.T. But first, uh, we're going to pay a few bills and then uh, we're going to continue on with that. Um, but like I said, uh, 40th anniversary of E.T. Like I said, if you haven't seen this movie at this point, definitely check it out. It is available on Amazon Prime. So I uh, I suggest if, if you have it, check it out. All right, so back in just a little bit. Some things are just meant to go together. Coffee and cream, soap and water, socks and sandals, uh, I mean popcorn and a movie. And the Princess Cinemas in Waterloo have got great movies in the bag. Cult classics, documentaries, Canadian movies, and the best new releases. Surrounded by great cafes in Uptown Waterloo, the Princess Cinemas three-screen hub is the perfect night out. For events, tickets, and showtimes, and the benefits of membership, go to princesscinemas.com. Enjoy the popcorn! Looking for dental that's gentle? Whether you're a newcomer or a regular, you'll always find a great smile at Dentistry at DiPietro and Huron Dentistry in Cambridge and Kitchener. Well-known and respected Dr. Thomas and his caring team have a reputation for understanding patients' needs, from cleaning to bridge work and crowns. No coverage? No problem. Both clinics will work closely with you to make it affordable. Direct billing is also available. Book your appointment today. Visit Dentistry at DiPietro.com or call 519-740-7090, Dentistry on Huron.com or call 519 519- 742-4040. Serving Waterloo Region. Real Radio. 98.5 CKWR.
And with a little bit more music from the 1982 film E.T., The Extraterrestrial. That's music, of course, by John Williams. As this week we are celebrating the 40th anniversary and, of course, joining me as always in these. I always like bringing you on for these 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 these, these particular anniversary shows because we, we always have these great discussions on and off air. Eric Woods from Cinematic Sound Radio. Great to have you on the show, Eric. So I'm 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 sorry if you don't get to play as much music on your shows when I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're usually scaring the people away for some reason. I don't know, but that's <laughs> very true. No, but that's but a, that's an inside joke. Yeah, yes, <laughs> very very much so. In any case, uh, if you're interested in any of the film, television, or video game music that I do play here on the show, by all means, you can contact me at of course visionsinsound at gmail dot com. You can also try me online at facebook.com slash visionsinsound. I'm on the Twitter. At Visions Sound, you can also try me on my website, visionsinsound.ca, which I have actually just put up a section for my late wife, Dorothea. If you want to get to know her through her shows, um, there are some really great um, moments. Um, like, like I said, I just I just uploaded 31, 31 hours of uh, of of almost 31 hours of, of her, of her shows. So like I said, if you want to sit and listen to all of them, knock yourself out, but there's some really great stuff there. And, um, she was, she loved doing the radio. She loved, she loved being out kind of out there. And it was always, it's always great to, to be able to put something up and, and more is going up as well, because not only did she do uh, classics with mama or not only did she do coffee tea and mama d and and lits and bites she also did classics with mama d she we she we did a show called tone poems then she continued on with coffee tea and mama d on this station and uh, so there's 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 all of that and there are some a few little surprises on there that i'm going to be uploading as well it's maybe some commercials that she did some other some other maybe even a couple of bloopers that uh, i i found uh, throughout the years. In any case, uh, you can also find me on um, on Good Pods and Apple Music and other. I, I'm glad you, you. I don't know if you coined this term, Eric. Podcatchers, but that's the first time I've I'd ever heard ever heard that term. And I and I I just I just love that term. I love. I, I, I wish I coined that term. I'd be a very very rich man. <laughs> Um, but no, unfortunately I didn't. All right. <laughs> now we, we can't talk about ET without talking about the video game that came out that same year on the Atari 2600. So now Atari produced a video game based on the film for the Atari 2600 and hired Howard Scott Warshaw to program the game. Now Warshaw was well known for doing the Pac-Man version on, on the 2600 as well. Now, the game was rushed in at five weeks to release this game. How, how do you do... Wow. Yeah. How do you do a, a, a video game to a major um, film property in five weeks? I don't know how that's possible. To, to coincide with the 82 holiday season. It was released Christmas 1982. The game was critically panned with nearly every aspect of the game facing heavy criticism. It has since been considered to be one of the worst video games ever made. 
It was also a it was also a commercial failure, and it has been cited as a major contributing factor to the video game industry crash of 1983, and has been frequently referenced, mocked in popular cult, referenced and mocked rather in popular culture as a cautionary tale about the dangers of rushed game development and studio interference. Have you ever played the game? I have. Have you really? Yes. Recently or at the time? Uh, at the time, actually, my my cousin got it for for Christmas. Wow. He was one of the the guys that got it for Christmas for the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. It was one of those things where it was fun to watch Et's head bob up and down. He would fall into the pits constantly. Um, you didn't know what you were doing. Uh, it was it was. Um, you walked around all over the place. You'd be a, you'd you'd be followed by a guy in in that looked like he was wearing a trench coat, or you'd have Elliot walking around. It was weird gameplay, and uh, I don't know the 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 thing about it. My, my I remember my cousin saying, "Watch this." So he fell into the hole, and then there was this flower down there, and, and he goes, "Watch this." So Et raises his head, and the flower goes. Whoop. And, and that's, and that was the extent that's the, that's the extent. Now I, I have heard a lot of people say that it is not the worst game ever made because the thing was, is that as once you, once you figured out what to do, it was okay. This is how, this is, this is actually a fairly complicated game for, for a system that was very, very basic at its, at, at the time. So now, um, I don't know if you've ever seen it. The Angry Video Game Nerd movie actually kind of deals with this. Mm. Um, but it was initially deemed an urban legend. Reports from 1983 stated that as a result of overproduction and returns, millions of unsold cartridges were secretly buried in, the New Mexico, in, a, in a New Mexico landfill and covered with a layer of concrete. In April of 2014, diggers hired to investigate the claim confirmed that the uh, the landfill contained many ET cartridges, among other games as well. At oh, uh, so so yeah, it, it's it's weird to to be able to say that yeah, an urban legend actually was was real, but it wasn't just ET games that were buried. It were other. I guess they were just kind of getting rid of overstock i don't know i think they i think they were selling more cartridge more cartridges than systems that were available at that time something weird like that in any case um now something very interesting and i think most people probably know this but i'm going to throw this in in here anyway at spielberg's suggestion george lucas included members of et's species as background characters in star wars episode one the phantom menace and you actually see them Yes. And it's ra- it's rather humorous, and you go, and if, when you watch the film, you go, wait a minute, those ETs, yeah, okay, that's kind of funny. Now, I I saw this just recently, and I was like, um, it, it, this brings back all the feels that you had with the original. I'm talking about uh, this particular this a, a commercial on November twenty eighth, twenty nineteen. During NBC's broadcast of the 93rd Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, Xfinity released a four-minute commercial known as the as the short film sequel to the original film, titled A Holiday Reunion. The commercial stars Henry Thomas reprising his role as Elliot, now an adult, 
with a family of his own. The story follows E.T. as he returns to Earth for the holiday season and focuses on the importance of bringing family together. References and nods to the original film are featured, such as a photo of the Taylor's family dog Harvey on the kitchen fridge and a replica of um, the makeshift speak-and-spell communications device. Spielberg was consulted by Comcast, obviously, before production on the commercial began. Have you seen this? Yes, I have. It, it is. It really tugs on the heartstrings for me. It does. And, yeah. it, it's, it, and if you haven't seen it, it is, I believe it is available on YouTube. Just type in uh, Holiday E.T. or something along those lines. You'll find it. No problem. So um, before we get too caught up in things, um, let's just continue on with some more music from, the, uh, from E.T. And this is the Rescue and Bike Chase, which we have talked about. So here's some more music from E.T. as we're celebrating the 40th anniversary.
wow. What more needs to be said than wow? Well, that's all for us this week. Thanks for hanging in to those that did. And as we continue into 2022, I hope as you're getting on with your day that you realize just how awesome you are. Never let anybody tell you any different. If you're ever not feeling right, there are people out there who care about you and are willing to chat. If not some, if not family, then some professional who can help. As Rocky said, nobody hits harder than life. I know from personal experience how hard it is for me to sit behind this mic week after week when I feel like no one's listening. I would never have made it this far without the support of a huge team of people behind me. If you or someone you know is in crisis and needs help, resources are available. In case of an emergency, please call 911 for immediate help. The Canadian Association for Suicide Prevention, Depression Hurts, Kids Help Phone at 1-800-668-6868, 1-844-HERE-247, or here247.ca all offer ways of getting help if you or someone you know may be suffering from mental health issues. Eric, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. In about 30 seconds, can you let me know what you've got maybe coming up in the next little while on Cinematic Sound? Yeah, real quickly, uh, this month uh, I'm celebrating my 26th year of being on the air and doing the podcast. So I'll be doing something special for that. I think I'm going to be doing my favorite scores from the the 90s as a whole so um that's probably what's coming up but uh rob thank you again for for having me on the show it's always a pleasure and i i can't wait to join you again sometime soon it's you do put a great show together and it's always a, a pleasure to be on it well thank you very much eric so now join me next week as we head into september or actually we continue rather into september with a celebration of the 30th anniversary of patriot games I'll end off this week's show with some more music from E.T. And we'll be back next week with more Visions and Sound. Phone home.